Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Live, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111-706-0111. We will be talking LSU baseball and the like. Uh, with Koki Riley in the next segment. And Coach Broadhead, towards the end of the second hour, they will play, begin participation in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament tonight at about 7.30. So, other than that, we will be able to discuss some things on the game hotline. And again, that is 706-0111. We talked yesterday about how Texas... Uh, baseball is they don't normally hit real well. Um, and they don't they don't normally hit real well, but they normally pitch well, and that's kind of what happened last night. But LSU Gavadugas got the last laugh with a three run homer, and uh, you know it's good mid a good midweek game. You know, I, I I don't I'm never a big fan of you know eighteen to four and all that. I just think that's useless on both ends. So that part was good. Um, Cajun baseball, you know, we've talked about it forever. Whether it's Northwestern State or McNeese or you know Nichols or. In, you know, Southeastern, Tulane, any team that you play in the state can can beat you. You know, it's not even a stretch. I mean, it could happen, and certainly it happened last night. The Cajuns hit a couple balls to the wall that might have made a big difference, but they didn't go over the wall, so it didn't make that difference, and they lost 5-4 to four to McNeese, which, you know, you don't want to lose. But, again, anybody who's surprised by a midweek loss in, in between two Louisiana baseball programs, just, uh, you know, it's it just it, it happens fairly often. So it, it's just not – should not be a big shock. But uh, Jackson Nezu pitched well in relief, struck out the side. Maybe there's something good that came out of it. We will see. For now, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Kevin. Good morning. Listen, Kevin. I, you know, in, in our LSU baseball group, I'm I'm referred to as a you know nega tiger. So, uh, but I want to start off by saying how great LSU pitching is, was, has been. You know, been been very good. I, and, and I'm glad I was able to catch it because I was waiting. I tried to you know talk to Ray this morning. I want to get y'all to ask y'all LSU insiders who you know. It, I'm worried about these strikeouts. We face LSU has to face two quality arms. You know, the guy from Iowa supposedly is going to be a big leaguer. You know, I didn't see the Iowa game. That's the only game that I didn't watch. It's going to be a big leaguer. And the guy last night is a 
I mean, he was he was really good. Uh, so, but they've struck out, uh, I think, fourteen times against Iowa, and sixteen times last night. So, uh, you know, every year I start off with the same little scenario. You play in these cupcakes, and everybody gets woo! How great the offense is. And listen, I think the offense is good and is going to work itself to being great. But uh, I'm a little concerned about, you know, the arms you're going to see in a couple of weeks, you know, are going to be every arm's going to be basically like the guy from Iowa and like the guy last night. So I want you to ask Koki if he, if anybody brings that up. I'm sure somebody's going to bring that up with Coach Johnson. So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what, what, what Koki has to say. All right, guys, y'all have a wonderful day. All right. Man, Manny was very specific in his conversation today. Very, very specific. What did they call him? The mega tiger? He likes tiger, the Tigers or he doesn't like Oh, no, he does. He, he's a big, big, big Tiger fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if he was saying that they were saying he's Yeah, he, he really likes LSU. I mean, he likes all mega that. He tiger. likes LSU and everything, but but he really likes LSU baseball. So. Gotcha. Um, And, you know, he's a Saints fan and. Pulls for the Astros. So we uh been knowing Manny for a long time. By the way, you know, sometimes we don't explain things. His name is not Manny, but the reason why we call him Manny is he had an association with the Pirates, and Manny refers to Manny Sanguian, who was a catcher for the Pirates in the night in the seventies when I when I grew up. So that I don't know. I just said that one day. Manny Sanguian, you know. And uh so that's where that's where he get that name from. Some of them, you know, there are very specific reasons. Some of them just what comes into my little head, you know. Sometimes that that, that happens. So, um, so what are we supposed to think of what we heard yesterday from the Packers general manager? We've been trying to do this reading between the lines stuff for a long time with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but it seems like, man, it wasn't, it was a pretty, he didn't really say anything, but because he didn't, they basically asked him, you know, do you want Aaron Rodgers? And he never said yes. So when you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback and they ask you, do you want him to be your quarterback next season? And you don't, and the word yes never really comes out of you. It makes you like, hmm, like what's, you know, maybe they're finally sick of him. I mean, I don't know. I, it, I could certainly understand it. Maybe they're ready to move on now. You know, when, when, when the Saints had Drew Brees, my policy all along, I, I just want to ride this wave, and when it crashes, we'll pick up the pieces and move on, which is where the Saints are right now. And I'm okay with it. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with every decision that they made. I'd still like to know. I would still would like to have seen Jameis play some evaluatable games and, and, and see if he's if he could be an answer. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever know unless we'll, we'll assume that's the case if he goes on to – other teams and fails miserably, but um, 
But, man, if I was a Packer fan, I don't know that I'd be ready to do this just yet, but it might be happening. And, again, I think that's good for the Saints. If he goes to the Jets, that helps the Saints. So I'm all for it. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot. Hello. How you doing, Foot? Oh, you know, it's a busy time. A lot of things going on right now. How are you? I'm good. Well, you 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 you, you said baseball is the most uh what do you call it the best game of all the sports? Oh. If they keep messing with it with a baseball is not supposed to have a time clock. I mean, you you're the first one that's going to agree with that. I mean, how can you have bases loaded two outs in the first spring training game of the year for the Braves? And he gets called out on a strike in the game in six six because he takes too long in the batter's box. Well, I don't, I don't have any issues with that if, if it's going to prevent things like, in other words, if it's going to help them get to where that's not a problem in the future. Because I mean, spring training games mean nothing. I mean, you know, the guy who was in the batter's box not going to play for the Braves this year, so it doesn't. The, the teams are not trying to win. So that part means nothing. Now, if this becomes something that happens in the regular season and it's certainly in the postseason, then, then you got a serious issue. What I don't know is how they're going to draw the line. Like, because that's not really – see, here's the, here's the difference between this and some things that have had – that's not really a subjective thing. Like, it, the time either runs out or it doesn't. Like, how, how are you going to – I don't know how they're going to enforce that is what I'm saying in well, the regular they, season. They, they, they got the umpires looking at clocks, and at, at eight seconds, if the batter is not looking at the pitcher, it's a strike. If he's adjusting his gloves or adjusting his, his helmet, if they, that, that's why they called a strike on him, because at eight seconds left on the clock, he was not looking at the pitcher ready for the pitch. So now the umpires got to start looking at the batters at eight seconds to see if they're if they looking at the pitcher. Well, again, it sounds silly. Now, supposedly they've been doing this for a while in AAA, and it's worked well. I, and, and the players and pit, the players all made the adjustment from all the reports that I've heard that it worked well. I'm really more worried about this throw over the second just twice thing. And and my and again, I don't know the rules because they're all I don't know them fully. But my understanding is you could only have two disengagements from the from the rubber. It's not just throwing over like you can only disengage twice per at bat from the rubber so I, I i that's the one i'm worried about that that really messes with the game now if they continually enforce what you're talking about and ringing up batters then that messes with the game too but if the, the, that's something you can get used to but there is no like getting used to throwing over twice you can only throw over twice uh that that, that i think could be a problem Okay, so you can get used to it. So if you make the World Series again and you're in Game Seven, and, and, and it's loaded bases and your batter gets called out because he takes too long in the box, you're gonna say, "I got used to it by now, so it's okay." That's what you're gonna say. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say that. But but do you really think? Like I gotta believe. Like I just wonder if they're gonna come up with some sort of the value of this happening in spring training games is that they they can figure out how they want to live with this rule. So. What I'm saying is I wonder if they're going to come up with a deal where we're going to enforce it for the first seven innings, but we're not going to enforce it for the eighth and the ninth inning kind of thing. I mean, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but something like like we got to figure out how to live with this. Yeah, they they, 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 they said they're doing this because they ask people that really don't watch baseball because it takes too long. How would you get – how would you – 
we get you to watch baseball, and they said by speeding up the game. If you want the game speeded up, you're not a baseball fan anyway. So why why they even worried about the people that that don't like baseball? Well, because they they they're trying to inc- to grow the game. You 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 can't you look like I said at the end of yesterday's show. Baseball gets bashed because it's too archaic, and the, and they don't ever try to change the game. Well, then when they do try to change it, then they get bashed too. So it's almost like they can't win. Now again, I don't want. If 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 the player if they can figure out a way to not decide games and still do this, I think it's good. I think it's good if they can figure out a way. But they and and it happening in spring training games is a good thing because then you can address it and and discuss all the potential ways of still making it work and getting yeah, just the good the part of this, the not the bad. Said, one. And I, and I know you know who I'm talking about. That man on ESPN said no more Garcia Perez would have never had an official at bat the way he messes with his gloves and everything. They, they would have called strike three on him before he swung the bat one time. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, Foot, talk to you later. And, you know, um, Icky for the Astros takes a long time. Like, he's going to have to change his routine, too. Um, you know, a lot of guys are. They're going to have to change their routine. Mike Hargrove, they call him the human rain delay when he was when he played, the old manager from the Indians. Uh, no, it, it's an issue. No, no, no question. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure out a way how, when they're going to enforce it, how they're going to enforce it. And hopefully the players will adjust. We will see. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll probably ask that about to Koki and other things. Koki Riley next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going, Kevin? It's going very well. Busy time. We've got baseball. We've got softball. We'll be in Pensacola this weekend with the Sunbelt Conference basketball tournament. We've got, obviously, SEC tournaments coming up. We've got, you know, combines, and it's – um. It's it, it, it's a busy time. So let's start with last night's game in Austin. We had a big LSU baseball fan call earlier today. He's concerned about all the strikeouts by LSU hitters in the in the Iowa game and the Texas game. Any concern for you? What do you think? Um. Yeah, I can certainly see how that could be a concern. Um, I, I just think early season when hitters haven't seen a ton of live pitching and with pitching just being as good and as down to a science as it is in today's game, it takes a little bit of time for the hitters to, you know, catch up to the pitchers essentially. And um, I, I think as the season goes along, you're probably going to see higher scoring games. Um, and, and I think offense went out in college baseball uh, because of the bats and whatnot, um, because, you know, pitchers get hurt, pitchers get fatigued as the, as the year goes on. Um, but I think overall, like it's, it, it, if this is happening and we're 
halfway or or in the deep into the second half of the conference schedule, then I think it becomes a major concern. Um, but I think this early in the year, and, and given how many runs LSU has scored overall, um, even with a couple of these uh, high strikeout games, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's too much of a concern. I do think that it's good to play like a I'd much rather, even if they had lost last night's game, to play a team that can really pitch and see really mm-hmm. good pitching rather than, you know, beat some team, you know, 18 to 2 or something. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like Texas has a pretty good pitching team. Uh, I'm no expert on Texas, but uh, I don't think that's too far of a stretch to say that. They've been and pitching like good since the 80s. Um, looks like Texas's problems on offense. Like they just really didn't get anything going. Um, I, 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 I guess LSU didn't get too much more going, uh, e- even though they have one of the best lineups, at least on paper, in the country. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there, there are there have been those two games now. I mean, the Texas game, the Iowa game, where they're just rolling a lot of offense for LSU. But I, I just feel like overall they're going to be okay, and you're going to have these days where you're going to have trouble hitting and. and um, you know, and, and driving in runs. But uh, it, this is a very smart team at the plate. They draw a ton of walks. They draw a, they drew a ton of walks in the Iowa game. They drew a ton of walks in this game. So um, I, I think they're going to be all right offensively. Yeah. The pitching has also been at times outstanding. What are your early impressions there? Yeah, I think overall they're in a pretty good spot pitching-wise. Um, I think Thatcher Hurd was – probably the biggest concern, at least maybe my biggest concern um, with their whole rotation, but then he pitched very well last night. So, um, I, you know, it wasn't perfect. He had three walks in the first three innings. That's not what you really want to see, but um, it seems like he sort of settled down as the game went along and pitched uh, quite well o- overall. And you can get if you can get him rolling, um, you can survive a bad Riley Cooper start or – um, say a, a guy like Ty Floyd take a step back or you know, someone else. Uh, it, so they're just deeper now with the rotation than um, it, it has looked like at, at, in small pockets so far this season. But I, I think, I mean, last year you and I were talking a lot about how just how thin they were in that rotation, how they might, so how they really didn't have a quality SEC starter in that rotation. This year, that's just not the case. They just have a lot more depth. Um, even guys like Christian Little and Ty Floyd, who probably are good enough to start, um, they're coming out of the bullpens of the scene. So, and then you look at a guy like me, Ackenhouse, last night he went, what, three-plus innings and didn't, and only gave up one hit. So um, I, I, I feel like they're in a very good spot pitching-wise. Um, I, feel, I still feel like the Saturday thing might need might need to get figured out a little, needs to get figured out a little bit, but – um, overall, they're in a much better spot than last year. All right. So looking down the road, and we're what? How many weeks away from the start of SEC play? Ooh, two or three. Yeah. Closer than you think. I, I was going to guess two, but I, I didn't, hadn't really looked at the schedule before I said that. But um, is there anybody that so far, and I know it's really early, that you think could be other than the normal – really SEC powers that, that, that could be better this year in the SEC? Hmm. I think Ole Miss is probably going to be more consistent. I mean, it's hard to be more up and down than they were last year or as up and down as they were last year. So 
I would expect just more overall consistency from that team. I think they're very solid. Um, I think South Carolina, I mean, they had a ton of uh, setbacks last season, but, you know, they brought up back a ton of returning players. I mean, they're already ranked um, after a pretty solid start to the season. Alabama is going to be, um, it looks like Alabama is going to be at least a, a contender of some sort as well. So I, I like, I like the direction. I, I mean, I got to say like the SEC is probably even better than it was last season. At least in terms of its depth, it's, just such a such a good conference heading in this year, and obviously, like you said, like there are the Tennessees of the world out there, and um, in the SEC. So it's going to be it's going to be really tough for LSU. I mean, they're not going to really have many, if any, easy weekends. Like even it seemed like Missouri, like Missouri got off to a very good start to their season, and they were quote unquote the worst team heading into the year in the SEC. So um, it's it's just a monster conference. It's why you can probably get away with easier midweek games and an easier non-conference schedule if you're a team like LSU because you have this crazy, crazy conference schedule, um, and and that's going to boo your strength of schedule enough, a lot of that alone. So um, it's uh, it's really something. With, with some of the position questions and stuff coming into the season, how how do you think uh, how many how close are you to kind of feeling like the staff's got it all answered so far? Yeah, I, I think um, there have been some surprises. I thought we'd probably see more Paxton Kling in general. Um, Josh Pearson has kind of become more of a bench bat. Uh, so, and I, I just didn't expect there to be this much Braden Jobert, especially just starting in the outfield. Um, I expected probably a little bit more Paul Skeens as a hitter. We haven't really seen, we don't think we've seen him once as a hitter this season. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there have been surprise, some surprises there, but I mean, Jobert is really. Uh, performed as one of their starting, pretty much when they're starting middle of the order bats for them this season. Um, I mean, Gavin Duga has taken the second base job and run ran away with it so far this year. He's been fantastic. I think Ben DePaul's been a good defender and he's hit some balls hard, but just hasn't had that luck really in terms of the balls falling uh, for him at the plate. So. Yeah, I mean, there's been a ton of movement, and I think when Tommy White gets healthy enough and moves back to third base, I think that's going to help the order because then you can move Jobert to DH, you can have Kling in the order, you can have Pearson in the order more. So it sort of opens up another spot for them um, if they don't want to play, uh, if they don't want to hit in the pole as often. So, uh, yeah, and I think Jared Jones and... I mean, they just have so many different options, uh, and I, it's it's ridiculous how deep this lineup is. And um, and I think I thought there would probably be a little bit more rotation than what they've had so far, but uh, it's it's working nevertheless. You know, at times there were some defensive issues in the last couple of years. It, mm-hmm. Do you think they're kind of past most of that? I think the defense has been very good this year. I think Brady Neal is an excellent defensive catcher. Um, I mean, Alex Malazzo is a defensive replacement. It's been excellent. I think, I mean, they had some, I mean, they had some real middle infield defensive issues, but I mean, Dugas has played solid defense. Uh, I mean, Jordan Thompson made a really good play last night. So it looks like a lot of these defensive issues are kind of passive. And when the Pulse playing third base, I mean, they, I mean, he made a diving play last night. That was really fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's. I think they're in a really, really good spot defensively. I still want to see what Tommy White looks like, fully healthy, playing third base. 
Uh, we re- we haven't seen that really at all. He's played one inning of defense on third base this season. So, um, yeah, I, that, I think that's the one question mark that we simply haven't had answered yet. But uh, I think everyone else is playing pretty solid out there defensively. All right, so I know you're all you know you're a major league baseball fan. In addition to covering, uh, you know, arguably the best college program in the country right now, mm-hmm. and there are baseball. Are you one of the baseball fans that are just up in arms with all these new rule changes and how it's already impacting some spring training games? Or are you kind of, you know, kind of a younger guy that says, "Look, we've got to we've got to grow the game, and we, you know, we've got to do this stuff." Where do you stand on all that? I mean, for my own personal enjoyment, I, I like the slow game. I like a slow burn. I, I like that baseball is played without clocks, or at least it used to be played without clocks. I think that was just sort of the beauty of the game and the flow of the game. Um, I, I, I I do think that it's it's nice that players are getting whipped into shape in terms of you know not standing out in the box forever, not taking forever to throw a pitch, like kind of unnecessarily because. Um, I, 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 it's always good to have a pace to a game, but I, I just, I think in general though, if, but if I had to pick like either side, I think in general, I'd, I'd rather have a world of baseball without there being clocks, uh, without there, without there being shift restrictions. The shift restriction stuff is the stuff that I really don't understand. Like, why are we limiting what, you know, how defenders can defend? Um, <laughs> especially when, you know, they have no control of where the ball is going to go. So it's, I, I I don't know. So I, I, I feel I'm more I'm definitely more old school when it comes to this stuff for sure. Um there are definitely some benefits and yeah, I'm gonna be able to go go home earlier or turn off the game earlier to do something else and it helps with people's attention spans, which are the size of a peanut now. But um I I get it all and I don't wanna get obviously like too upset over it all, but at the same time it's it's I'm I'm gonna miss the old baseball at, at to a certain degree as well. So. Well, and, and but hopefully some of this brings back some of the old baseball or in that there are more stolen bases and then there are more hit and runs and there are more hitting behind runners and, and, and how baseball was played forever, too. Hopefully some of that will come back and it not just be a home run hitting contest. Yeah, I'm not... I, I think this will definitely speed up the games, um, but... When it comes to some of that stuff, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's ever going to change. Just because, I mean, the analytics say that if you hit and run, you're you're really putting your your runner at first base in jeopardy. Now, if you're stealing, um, and you're not 100 percent sure this guy's fast enough to beat the catcher's pop time throw, you're you're probably putting your first your runner at first in danger. Like I, I don't know how much that has to do with like um, the pace of play, and more of the do with just you know, simple, simple math and analytics because that's really transformed the game to a degree where I don't really know what you can do about it. In terms, yes, I love a hit and run. I love a steal, but um, it's more pleasing to the eye. But in terms of just like, does it make sense for winning baseball games? I don't, I don't know if that's really the case anymore, especially in Major League Baseball. All right, sir. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. 
That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 337-706-0111, All right. Uh, if you would like to discuss, you know, college baseball, we discussed a little bit. Oh, we discussed LSU baseball, certainly, in their win against Texas last night. Cajuns lost to McNeese if you, last night, 5-4. to four. You have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, the one that I really um, the the rule change we were just talking rule changes with Koki that I I'm just the most anxious to, to see how it's going to play out once the regular season starts is this whole you can only throw to second to first base twice thing I, I yeah and that's the one that bothers me the most because. And and the the it just seems you talk about you say the the runner on second thing you know makes you feel like little league or gimmicky, that feels this feels gimmicky now the pitcher can only throw over if he gets him out and it's like so then now what we're probably gonna and now I'm just kind of thinking in the moment we're gonna have base runners then probably if they've already thrown over twice they're gonna be kind of like baiting the pitcher to try to throw over thinking they can get back because that's just like stealing a base now yes if you can get if you if you can get them to throw over and you can get back then yeah, it's a balk yeah you basically either. stole second so yeah that yeah. one's just weird I mean that feels really you talk about gimmicky the shift stuff I get because I think the sh- the perspective major league baseball is having is like listen when the game was designed, the analytics weren't a part of it, and that wasn't something that maybe the game was meant to be. Now, you got to be careful when you're starting to talk about what you're thinking the game was envisioned to be 150 years ago. But right, I can at least see that's their logic. Is like, well, you know, there should have there we there wasn't a rule in place because no one ever thought that anybody would think of this whole putting seven defenders. Yeah, on the but right back side then thing. they would have just said, "We'll hit the ball the other way." Then, well, I wish that's and what they, they would, would have. say right now. Yeah, yeah and wish. they would have hit the ball the other. That's way. I think that yeah. would have been the uh, we could have fixed this. Yeah, when it started, but that's just not how hitters and things have done, gone. But yeah, the pitcher one, I, I <laughs> that one's real dangerous, and I wonder if that's something they're going to walk back or not. Yeah, again. Like when Troy called, I, I, I'm glad that there are some issues with some, you know, you don't want this to be smooth in spring training. You want, if there's going to be an issue, you want it to be, you want it to happen. You want the worst case scenarios to happen in spring uh, training games. So they can say, do we really want this or not? Like. That that's what you want. You want the spring the the bad things to happen. It would be bad if everything went. If you had all these rule changes and and everything went just smooth and swimmingly in in, in spring training games. You don't want that. You want that to happen. Um, just like if you're playing, you know, if you know if you have whatever any kind of communication issues on the field, you want that happening several times in preseason games in the NFL or whatever. You don't want that stuff rearing its ugly head once the season starts. So hopefully they can figure out how to do it. The players can adjust. Again, I think the goals are good. 
I just don't know how Machiavellian I want to be with some of this, you know. And I think that's what Troy and them were saying. It's like, man, I, I they, it's not no, no one. I mean, I don't think anyone dislikes like last night. The the, the game lasted about I don't know two and a half hours, two twenty something like that. The Cajun McNeese game. I don't think anybody dislikes two and a half hour baseball games. Then I say, oh man, I, I don't like the game to last two and a half hours. I want it to last three fifteen. I, I don't know that anyone says that going into a game, but but do we want to do what it takes sometime or what they think it takes to get down to two and a half? That's the that's the that's the beat. Yeah, for like a lot I saw somebody's argument that was, uh, oh, like the way baseball is now with how long the uh, inning breaks are and stuff. I can go to concession stand, get a hot dog, come back, and not miss a pitch. Okay. Are we going to cater the game towards the guy who wants to go get a hot dog and not miss a one pitch? Like that's how we're going to we're going to have a slow three and a half four hour games consistently so that people can go to the concession stand. Like I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a reason. No, no, like and, I, and people I agree. are saying that, like yeah, and people talking about how they enjoy slow games. Like I mean, I get it, but that's that's not the majority. I don't think. I don't think the majority of people who watch and cover games and and experience it on a daily basis, go, yeah, I just wish there was more three-and-a-half, four-hour-long games. And, again, the reason why it's like that in the postseason is because the commercials are too long. I mean, it, they're yeah. just way too long And again, in the postseason. Like, well, people then compare it to the NFL, like, well, NFL games are three. There's 16 or 17 games. We got 162 of these. I don't think they have to be four hours apiece, personally. No, and, again, the average was just over three hours last year. Like, some people think – who just watched the postseason thinks all baseball games last four hours. That's just a postseason thing. That's not an all-the-time thing. All right, so before we get, I'll just bring up this question. Leonard Fournette, we've been talking about, on this show, we've been talking about it. You know, it took guys like Casper and Dennis Allen and Carmichael and the rest, and not all, you know, some of the fans got it. It took everyone else about another year to figure this out. And, and, and we and by the way, we 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 keep saying, and, and I, I'm not art I'm not disagreeing with it, but I think it's sometimes we, we keep saying that 41 was misused last season as this, this as if this was a Dennis Allen thing. I keep reminding everyone 41 was misused two years ago too, dramatically. The one that started this was Casper. It wasn't Dennis Allen. So I, I don't. I, if someone has the the misguided uh, perception that that forty one was misused last year because Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael were running the show, he was misused two years ago. It wasn't last year that the Saints had a good downhill run that they decided to get rid of him. That was two years ago. So um, Leonard Fournette, I don't know that Leonard Fournette wants to come play for his hometown team. You know, so, so say he, he wants to go play for someone who's a quote-unquote Super Bowl contender, and I think if the Saints make the right moves, they can be a Super Bowl contender. But I don't know that he perceives that. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be against it at, a, at the right price, but I don't, I, I, I don't think that's the direction the Saints would be going. I wouldn't be against it either. I, I don't think. I don't perceive the Saints as Super Bowl contenders. I can perceive them as playoff contenders, but I don't know if there's moves that would make me think they're Super Bowl contenders right away. But the other thing, the, the thing that worries me with Leonard Fournette, though, is that when when things haven't been going well, 
in certain situations he's been in, he hasn't seemed like the most excited person to play. So if the Saints were to get off to slow start, things like that, you've kind of seen him pack it in for yes. what, for stretches of time in yes. both his Jacksonville career, and that kind of led to him leaving Jacksonville, and then again with Tampa at certain times. So he's been a great player when he's felt like it, and you know, and maybe he's been battling injuries in some of those times. I'm sure he has, but yeah, in the right situation, he makes a lot of sense. He kind of fits a lot of the things that you've needed, but a he's. Certainly probably on the back end, I would say, at this point, uh, especially with running backs. Of course, their age, you know, their their primes are different than other positions. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Again, I, but yeah, everything he's ever said in his career wouldn't indicate that he's interested, but we've seen like Devontae Freeman couldn't stand the Saints, and then they were his only offer, so he came here. So you never know what, what what's going to happen with something like that. It's uh, It's worth considering, but I don't think that that would happen. We will see. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. All right. I want to get a definition of terms here. If you win your division and win a playoff game, are you a Super Bowl contender? Okay, yeah, I'm glad we're clarifying this because that's, from that logic, certainly. I I just mean, like, if you were to narrow it down to, like, the teams going into the season that you feel like, okay, this is the six to eight teams that have a a good shot of being in the Super Bowl, as opposed to not the the six, you know, the, what would you say, the 14 to – 18 teams that are very likely to maybe be able to make the playoffs and maybe if if lightning strikes and they play really well in that stretch. So that's that's the difference between what I mean and I guess what you're Oh, a favorite. To. No, I don't I, I wouldn't I, and I I wouldn't even consider I'm talking about can you win your division and win a playoff game? I yeah, think that the I think they could have won that. their they should have won their division and won a playoff game this year. I would and they just, had all kind of issues. I would just refer to that more as like postseason contenders than I would calling it Super Bowl contenders. But I get that you are a Super Bowl contender if you're in the playoffs. So I see and you win the, old game. Yeah, I see what you're saying yeah. by by saying that. Yeah, but. I just want to get a definition of terms. For sure. Y- yesterday, the Mavs lost. Um, Kyrie Irving and Luca together are what one and four now, something like that. Something like that. Okay, so I I heard someone say today that can it work with those two? And and the thought and the answer was it can work, but they they need to get a better supporting cast. Well, they just okay, gave so up the so that made me think. <laughs> so let's say they had a better supporting cast. And it was working, and they were four and one instead. Who would be getting the praise? Luca, Luca, and Kyrie. Kyrie. Sound familiar? Well, yeah, but the funny thing too is that it's the, funny how the logic is. 
Well, again, the, the supporting cast is what they gave up to get Kyrie. So they had, I mean, they didn't have a great supporting cast for Luka anyway, but they had a couple other pieces and they had to give those pieces up because that's how it works. You got to give something up to get a valuable asset when you're trading. So they're not going to have a supporting how. cast at least this year. And man, they got what they got. I know, I know the Suns, you know, everyone's assuming that's going to work out and, and, you know, probably has a pretty good chance of working out. But like, so many teams in the West, it just looks awful right now. I mean, the Pelicans are falling apart. The Lakers are in trouble. Um, like even the Jazz, we talk, you mentioned the Jazz. They had a bad loss last night, and I know you're going to lose games here or there, but man, there's some teams. It's not looking good for them in the yeah, West. Yeah, the Jazz. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what you really say about that. I I, I said uh, how the other day they're the team that's probably yeah. excited about all this other you know commotion at the bottom of the West. Well, they lost. They let the San Antonio Spurs end the uh, league's longest losing streak. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, it's man the West team. The West just it's just weird that nobody's nobody's bad. Well, the Spurs and the Rockets are bad, but then outside of that, nobody's bad. But nobody's great except maybe Denver record wise. Again, Phoenix, we're waiting on it. That's the other thing too, though. I mean, we'll see when Durant gets back. You're starting to, with Durant, though, it's got, starting to get to the point where Zion is like, well, when he comes back, how many games are they going to have to get this thing figured out before they have to roll into playoff games? So, I mean, he's supposed to be, it's supposed to be pretty soon, but we're still waiting on him, so. It, that, I'm just saying, there are a lot of teams in the West right now that are a mess. And I, I think the Mavs are one of them. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see how that's going to work. I mean, most people, when it happened, were like, eh, how is this going to work? Like, you got to be able to defend someone. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, it just strikes me how it's kind of like, I remember, you remember when, um, I don't know if you've, there was a couple years ago where people were talking about, uh, maybe it's more than a couple of years. And, and I started kind of, it was more than a couple of years. I remember they, they started trying to introduce the Tour de France to me. Have you ever paid attention to the Tour de France? Yeah, I've, I've seen a, I've seen a few segments here and there. And so they started, I started asking questions, so they started explaining it to me. And you, and, and, and you really have a team, like people got to run interference for you. Well, if it's a team, then how come the individual's name is on the standings? Like if you like in golf or tennis, I mean you have coaches and, and support system, but it but you're a golfer, you're out there. Like you're the one doing it. You're a tennis player, you're out there. You either win or you lose. But and then and then they start having all this. They start telling me that they got all these people that run interference and it's a team, but it but it's just the one guy that gets all the credit and his name's in the stand. I'm like, I don't play that game. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like the entire NFL world has the tour de frost mentality. Well, I have an an exact comparison to what you're talking about. NASCAR is is exactly that way. NASCAR is a team sport. There is an entire team. Then it's flawed. And but yeah, I don't the drivers like are the ones who have yeah. the standings, and you know they don't, I don't list play that the team. Now the interesting thing that NASCAR does have is they have a separate point standings where the owners' points, where the car owner is also, and there's a separate championship actually. So they do have a championship for the. Now it's not individual teams because there's like four necessarily two to four cars on a team usually, but the owner can win the championship separate from the. But don't you think big NASCAR fans 
all fundamentally understand that it's not just the driver. Yeah, anyone who follows it more than just as a— I don't think football fans realize that. I think football fans do. I think they realize that. I don't think they realize You think they think it's just quarterback and yeah, I think that's, that's it? I think that's what most of them think, yeah. <laughs> like, there are people that really believe that Tom Brady impacted— he, that the guy— when their kicker makes the kick, it's it's it, it's because Brady made him make the kick. They really believe that. Yeah, there's some people that they believe that. that think that. But I think you're, I think you're a little bit generalizing a very small segment of the NFL fans. Oh, I don't think. And it's then I think a lot small. of them like to say that just because they like to get people like you fired up. But they know in reality that it takes a team. I think I think most people do. Maybe I don't know. We should do a survey like they do on the streets and just ask people who's responsible for all these Super Bowls. It, it it's it's just it just amazes me. All right, one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host Kevin Foot. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on. The game, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We've actually talked a lot of baseball, little basketball, Little NBA in the first hour, any of that stuff that's on your plate, certainly, or on your mind, certainly feel free to call in. The game hotline is 706-0111. The Sunbelt Conference Tournament actually started last night. That's what I had. No real surprises, huh? No, and I, but I had, I had something for you there. I watched, um, I didn't see all of the Coastal Arkansas State game, um, but most of that was quite honestly because I'm fairly confident that the winner of that game was going to lose pretty handily in the next round anyway. The other one, though, I was interested to see Texas State. They've been the team that, look, they were picked at the top of the league. You know, they won it the last two years. We knew they lost, you know, a lot of guys from what their roster was, but they still had some pieces, and they never really put things together. They had a little stretch at the very beginning of conference play where they looked okay, and then they really struggled. But they played pretty well against Georgia State last night, and they got me thinking about, they play Old Dominion in the second round, and we've been talking about Old Dominion and how hot they are, and I know they are, but I kind of wonder, A, some coaches like that whole you play a game, you kind of get your feel about the arena, playing in Pensacola, playing in that you know specific venue, things like that. If there's going to be an upset in this round, which we have all kind of said we think there's probably will be one, I wouldn't be shocked if Texas State beat Old Dominion. Maybe Old Dominion kind of yeah, looking towards they Marshall. Beat Texas State by like five points. I mean, Georgia State by like five points. Georgia State's playing at a low level right yeah, now. Yeah, but I thought Texas State played better than they have. I thought they made more shots than they have. And I thought Harrell, he struggled early, and he's, he hasn't looked like himself. I know he had an injury and he missed a couple of weeks. I have to feel like he's going to get it going. He's just that guy that, again, he's been there forever, it feels like. And I just... 
I, I feel like he's due to have a big game in this tournament, and he didn't have it in the first game. So I think he's going to play really well, and that's that's a game that I don't know. I just have a feeling Texas State. I think Old Dominion's looking at Marshall already and, and thinking about that rematch. I mean, I, I think that that part is a fair concern. I just don't know if the team that makes an upset in a tournament like this is a low-scoring team that grinds it out, which is what te- – I think Arkansas State is a team that – now, I say there was no surprise. I, I'm not surprised at all that they won, but they won by, like, 19. I mean, they they you know they poured it on late. Now, they were only up by, like, four at the half, so it's not like the whole game was a blowout. Um, but don't you think a team that shoots a lot of threes that might just make a lot of like – make 12 or 13 threes on a given night is more dangerous to pull off an upset than, like, a, a kind of a plotting defensive team? I, I, I just – I'm not – Texas State has not played well to me. Yeah, they, but I I don't know. It goes both ways. The weird thing is that, you know, and we've talked about on the UL women's side, that's one of the reasons they have been successful. They like to muddy up games, and they've been, you know, pretty good in tournaments. Texas State has is that team, and yet it's worked against them in the past couple of years. They've lost their first game in, in when they were the favorites of the whole tournament. And I wonder if maybe that's just kind of the image we have in our mind, but I think muddying it up might actually work to their favor in this type of tournament, especially against a team like Old Dominion. Last night, like Texas State, they didn't dominate the game, but they played the game they want to play. They shot over 50% That's from fair. the field. They shot three of eight from three. Again, they're they're not going to take bad shots. They're going to try and work the shot clock. They actually scored 81 points, which is kind of way above what they're you know, used right. to. And that's not the style of game that they're used to playing, but... You know, I don't know. I thought, look, Drennan played really well for them. He had 16. He made both of his threes. And, again, Harrell had 13, but he started out, like, I think one for seven. I remember the announcers kind of talking about how slow he had to start the game. I think if those two guys play really well, they have a shot. Now, the thing is, it's almost, I don't know, Do you, if, if from UL's perspective, you probably want Marshall to have to play the best team in each round. And, you know, if, if Texas State gets through and then is playing their third game when they get to Marshall – that might end up being an easier matchup for Marshall moving forward. But again, with these brackets, you can't really project more than a day ahead because we just we just don't know how it's going to play You know, the, the good thing, yeah, you don't want to have to play these games, but at least for the first four, three or four days, you, you're not playing back-to-back days. You at least get a day off. It's not like you're, you know, if the Cajuns win, they're going to be playing three days in a row. So, yeah, and there's been some conversation about this format. I know it's set up for... Player safety is kept in mind with the off days in the first few days, but are we really benefiting the top four teams that supposedly earned a better? Now they they are benefited by the double buy certainly, but like, why not have those first the quarterfinal round on Friday and everybody have an off day Saturday, and play if you want to play if you're going to keep Sunday Monday as a championship, where uh, instead of having you know these teams that supposedly are supposed to get rewarded have to play three games in a row when the teams that are coming up to face them have been able to play, have an off day, play, have an off day. So, But they would still have to win three games in a row. Yeah, those teams would yeah, too, yeah. so so certainly. Um, you know, we'll see. Again, I don't know in terms of the winners, all that shocking, and so we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I do think, you know, I made the comment that I think there are probably eight teams that could that could win it, and it wouldn't totally shock me. But and so I understand why people are saying there's going to be an upset, and and 
Coach Marlin predicted one because, frankly, there has been just about every year. I mean, you mentioned Texas State. I mean, even going back further, I can remember the days when Middle Tennessee was in the conference and they were dominating and they would get beat in the in the in the tournament. So it's uh, and that's and they they even started to change the format because of that was happening. So it. it in this tournament, anyway, upsets are kind of our chalk. Yeah, the the only year that you saw all four teams, the top four seeds, make it all to the semis in recent memory was the 2018 team, where then you still had a big upset because you all then lost to the four seed UT Arlington. That was the last time where there weren't any big upsets in that quarterfinal round. Ever since then, you've seen usually the one seed has gone down. Um, and then there was that... There was that weird year where they did the ladder bracket where, you know, you had teams that had to play a million games to get to the final and the one and two seed just had to play two games. So I don't even really count that year as far as what I'm looking at because that was a weird format. And some tournaments do it. I understand why they do it because you're really, really giving the benefit of the doubt to the teams that are best in the regular season. But also the reason I don't like that format is because a year like this year, you have a bunch of tiebreakers at the top and now a couple of teams based on Nobody really separated Yeah, a couple of teams based on some weird tiebreakers now get a huge advantage over the two teams or the three or four, and especially on the women's side. Think about that this year. You'd have had teams that were maybe separated by one game having to play like three more games than the one seed would have had to. Yeah. I'm glad. I like the format that they have right now. We'll see um, what the Cajun women can do tonight. App State against the Cajuns, 730. And if they win that game, they play Texas State, who's a two seed and a team that they've largely beaten. A team that they beat, what, 30-something points last year in the uh, in the, uh, in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. So it'll be an interesting matchup. And a team that – two teams that played last week, Texas State, Texas State did a great job, had a great game plan, and Cajuns couldn't stop Hood, which they did big time the last two times they had played them. So we'll see how that plays out. You know, it's kind of like when you start talking about matchups like that, two teams that have played each other a lot in recent years, it's kind of like two baseball teams that are in the same division and you played each other, you know, 18 times or 19 times in the regular season, and then you, um, you know, you play again in the postseason. You just know each other so well. Really, almost anything could happen. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. You mentioned a mess. Have you seen something about a mess early in Dallas? Yeah, I th- uh, well, that one one of many teams in the West right now that look to be a mess going down the stretch. Oh, a mess, man! You want to you want to uh, check out a mess? Check out Los Angeles, that team in purple and gold. Check out a mess. That's a mess. We now fall to three and one hundred and sixty eight without LeBron James. That's terrible, man. I mean, we in some major trouble, Kevin. Ain't no playoffs, bro. I, I kind of predicted it. I, I kind of been on it. I thought we had a little chance when we got these role players here, but right on cue. Just when you thought things were looking up. But how, sudden, how ironic. You finally got Anthony Davis playing in games and playing well. I mean, this cat's getting yeah. like 17, yeah. 18 rebounds. And, 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 and now LeBron. And now I came to myself last yeah. night. Now, if we can win this Memphis game, it'll be a good start to this little stretch and whatever. We had the game under control, and all of a sudden just lost it. And I'm like... <sighs> The way our luck been going, it's, it, it, like I said, it happened. He's starting to get rolled as LeBron get hurt. Now watch. All of a sudden now, LeBron on his way back, he's going to get hurt again. 
So we just can't win for losing, man. I mean, like I say, we're not making the playoffs, bro. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. We just won't make it. We just won't make it. This little trade stuff we just did and new acquisition with the role players we got and stuff like that and D'Angelo Russell, who knows what's going to happen with him in the offseason. But this is all audition for next year, going for next year's team because this team don't have a shot. Just can't get a break, man. Nobody can stay on the court long. You got the same problem with the, the, with the Pels. You know, earlier it was Ingram. Ingram come back, Zion get hurt. Now Zion out extended time. They kind of fell off the map. Now all of a sudden they're in major trouble, you know. So this can't buy a break, man. Can't get a break. So this is not our time right now. I don't think LeBron will win another championship. He just can't stay on the court long enough to sustain any kind of thing with the team that he has on the court. And that's for both stars, not just him. So major trouble, Kevin, major trouble. Next year, who knows what will happen, but all this right now is for next year. Don't look forward to no playoffs. It's not happening. And like I said, we just can't win a game without him. I already knew we'd you know, have a trouble without him, but it's just amazing how awful your team looks without him. When he goes out, the team just looks totally different. It's just if people underestimate this guy's – you know, like his greatness and his um, totality of his impact on the team, but he really shows his impact now at 38 years old. Like I said, he's 10 years older than Anthony Davis, and he can't lead us nowhere. I'm sorry. I'm not knocking him or whatever. I'm trying to, you know, it's just who he is. He just can't lead us nowhere. Without LeBron on the court, we don't have a true leader that can lead us somewhere, and we had made well, the yeah, trouble. Yeah, but I, I mean, you're talking about player. one of the best players ever who's still, he's past his prime, but he's still a an elite player, and he's a glute player. It's not like you're talking about somebody who's just like a three-point shooter or just an inside player. I mean, he he does he does it he does a little bit of everything. So there's there's no reason to believe that they should be able to win with, without him. Uh, you know, that's just not going to happen. So no, that is with no. There's a lot of teams in the West. Oh man, they got they got issues. And then again, if you if you there are a lot of people, maybe not as many as as I've heard here and there. But I, but I listen like coming back late at night. I'll listen to the national shows, and you hear them people saying it then too. You know they they feel like Memphis is is phony. They're not a true contender to get to the finals. They feel like the Nuggets because of their history are not true contenders to get to the finals. And if you believe that, then like they're they're basically, you know, I guess the Suns are just going to get in by a, you know, by a bye. I mean, they're just essentially going to have a bye to get to the finals. Uh, you know, if you don't believe that, you know, cuz I mean, do you believe the Clippers? I mean, I don't believe in the Clippers. I the West is I don't know. It's like I said, it's a mess. <laughs> but no, I I, I I agree with Rockefeller, the Lakers, you know, they're in deep yogurt, no just, question. Just an update on what I was saying about Durant. He is expected to make his debut um tonight against Charlotte. So after all that we'll see. Now if now we kinda get our first look at the at the Suns that we're waiting, you know, that we keep saying are the favorites. I I, I do I do think the Suns would be the favorite if I had to pick one right now over Denver. But They've got to prove it, and they've got to prove that Durant and Paul are going to work, which I think the play style is really mesh. I think it's the opposite of Dallas. I think Kyrie and Luka, I never saw really how that was going to mesh. I think Durant and Paul and Booker and all that can work really well. We'll get our first look at it tonight. I'll be pulling. If they play in the postseason, I'll be pulling for the Nuggets. I think that'll be more fun to watch, for me anyway. We'll take a timeout and be back. 
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnote, Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you to game hotline 337-706-0111. On this Wednesday, again, we'll be speaking in the next segment to UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. The Cajun women will be playing its first game in the Sun Belt Conference tournament tonight at 7.30 against Appalachian State. Cajuns are the 7th seed. App State is the 10th seed. All right. We mentioned at some point just in passing the the Aaron Rodgers situation. And, look, I, I'm a, believe me, I'm probably more sick of talking about Aaron Rodgers than, um, than, it, than most or, or any of y'all. And I can imagine being, you know, a Packer fan um, – being sick of talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation as well, but it does have a residual effect on the Saints for sure. So I'm trying it, you know, I'm trying to think out of the box more. Like 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 we talked about, I think it was last week, like if there's a quarterback out there, if there's a Geno Smith uh, version in 2023, I want to try to identify it before it happens. I don't want to get caught off guard by it. Like, like I don't want to – if Lamar Jackson is going to go to the Falcons, then at least we've been dealing with it. Like, we've begun the healing process by addressing it in my mind. And, and like, we've been talking about it even before the national people were talking about it, thanks to Jay and I. We, we had that conversation however long ago, and we were like – it just hit us like – Man, this seems too good, too perfect, and let's just hope that doesn't happen. Um, and so, if Aaron Rodgers does not go to the Jets or the Raiders, because to me, if he doesn't play for the Packers, it's going to be the Jets or the Raiders. So, like, who else could it be? If it's not, if he doesn't play for the Jets, the Packers, or the Raiders which all three of those I guess I could see and kind of make some sense. Where else could he play next year? It, yeah, that's it. there's not a clear, like, fit. I guess if one of these teams like the Giants or the Seahawks move on from – now, I don't know if Seattle really would make sense either. The Giants, if they decide to move on from Daniel Jones, maybe would make a little bit of sense, but – yeah, they don't have any receivers, really. Right. They just and they just cut Kenny Galladay, who they had signed to a mega deal a couple of years back. Like they, what about the Dolphins? That one, you know, that's like every. I feel like every aging quarterback always gets rumored to go to Miami. I guess because people think that older quarterbacks want to like, go live in Miami. Yeah, like Brady was rumored there, and you you know you've heard it. But 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 again, I, I'm not. Some people have. 
I'm still don't know what the I don't still don't know what first of all I still don't know how good Tua is I don't I don't think we have any idea at all how good Tua is if he's any good at all we have no idea um, and he's got this whole concussion thing which some people think it's blown out of proportion I guess that's possible but again I'm never going to minimize concussion so I who knows you know how, how but there has to be at least some question there with the concussion but I mean who else has a really good Offense, um, San Francisco. I mean, is that? Yeah, but I don't think they have a really good offense. They have a really good defense. I think San Francisco. Has I think their really offense good. is good, but I don't. I, I think they're a right. But also, I think their. But I mean, is, going there. Oh, I think they I think, could win. Right. But, I but think I don't, they, well, I think their offense has been a little bit held back by quarterback play. Now, Purdy was really, really good for six weeks, so I don't want to take that away from him, but. You took you put Rodgers in an offense with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle and McCaffrey. Oh, they I mean, be, I'd be scared. Yeah, they would. No, they'd be. They'd but be really again, good. are they? That's what I'm saying. Is anyone else in a position to make it happen, and in a position to give up what it would take? I don't. I don't really know what the, you know, compensation would look like, and or or what if he would. I don't know what Green Bay is going to do as far as what his you know, what their next steps are. Their their comments have been weird, but his comments have been weird, and they were weird last well, offseason. They're all weird. Yeah, and he made it. They made it work. For I just don't year. want him to go somewhere. I'm gonna be like, why did we not think about that? I don't know. I could see. I I think the Dolphins are a team that potentially could be good. They have dynamic weapons, and 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 they still have somewhat of an uncertain quarterback situation. And I know the cheaters do too. But I'm telling you, I I I don't I don't know that. I think Shanahan's an eagle maniac. I I don't think he wants a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know what? It's it's not going to happen. But what the like kind of weird you want to talk about out of nowhere? Just like, just because the scenario is already as strange as it is, would be New England goes and teams up with Belichick for a couple of years at the end. That would be strange. Oh, but I don't know if he could live with Belichick. I don't think he could. But my point being is that it's just like, if you're looking for a team that's out of nowhere and has a good defense, now they you talk about again they don't have the offensive pieces that he would want, and I don't think he would get along with Bill, but. I just yeah, yeah I, I can't think of one that hasn't been discussed that really makes like a ton of sense other than maybe the 49ers. I, I I think the Dolphins would be next on that list. Yeah. And the and the Dolphins have been clear to like not commit to Tua, right? I mean they yeah. have, they they basically the reports about Brady and then things they've clearly explored their options. Like, the other one would be Baltimore then if they don't do the Lamar Jackson thing. Like Baltimore would maybe be in, in, in a similar situation. But that's another offense that doesn't seem like that offense was that's an if they don't bring Lamar back again, that's a thing that I, I think they have to. It's they've designed everything they've done and they've made dis, draft picks around what Lamar Jackson brings to But that they position. have a new they have a new offensive coordinator. That's true. So they could try to completely pivot here, but like they don't have the receiving core. You know, they got Andrews the, the good tight end, but they don't have the receiving core and I guess that's partly why Lamar Jackson's been frustrated and not as eager to sign, but who knows? And on paper, the Saints would fit that bill, theoretically. But but I just I just don't I just don't see him wanting choosing the Saints. I, I just I've never seen that mesh. And it really has nothing to do with me disliking him personally, like the you know, thinking he's the most arrogant athlete ever, which I still believe. But it's that has nothing to do with that. I just I don't I don't see him wanting to come to New Orleans. 
Yeah, I don't either. But I mean, hey, look, there's you talk about his kind of his weird lifestyle and things. I mean, the New Orleans is a weird place. He goes, he could probably oh, he find might anything. Like he's, voodoo. he's probably done it. Anything he's looking to find in New Orleans, he'd probably find it. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Well, look, I don't want Baker Mayfield. Can't stand him. Um and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, as or more arrogant than that pig. But at least Aaron Rodgers is great talent. Baker Mayfield has, you know, next to no talent. And, I mean, you know, he's just awful. And so at least if I'm going to get a guy, you know, like I always said, Roger Clemens was a jerk his whole career. But when he came to the Astros, he was my jerk. But at least he had, like, Hall of Fame talent. So I can live with a jerk if he has Hall of Fame talent. I mean, I don't. But I, I guess the best thing for the Saints is that he goes to the Jets. Is that is that is that, or are we fooling ourselves there? Yeah, or or Carolina, which I don't, I hasn't been talked about. Well, how does that help the Saints? I'm just saying, takes a contender out of the Derek Carr sweepstakes. That oh that's no, been, but you don't want him in your division. Let's not get crazy here. I'm I'm saying if you want the best chance for Derek Carr to end up as a Saint, then yeah, the Jets or Carolina are the two teams that. I still think, and I, I'm I'm with kind of the, I think there's other contenders on Carr that aren't being talked about for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that Carr the whole Carr thing is down to three I don't teams. Think I don't so believe either. that. I don't think so. Now either. I hope that's the case because if it's down to three teams, and I feel even better that he's going to come to the Saints. Um, but I don't believe I, I there's got to be somebody else that it just depends on how much he wants to wait. You know, if it's true that he's going to sign just before March the 15th, which, by the way, is only two weeks away because today's more. We're in March now. Doesn't the Major League Baseball season, it now starts in March. So we're inside. We're like 27 or 28 days away. The World Baseball Classic then has to start next week, right? Or is it this weekend? It was somewhere it's, around the fifth, yeah, sixth, or like seventh the, uh, that it starts. Yeah. It's 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 this this week essentially. Uh, well, well, next week because it's going to be after Sunday, so it'll be the early next week. You'll start to see some of those. Uh, Hope I get games. a chance to see some of them games. Yeah, they should mostly be on MLB Network, I think. So they should be uh, they should be televised. Man, the waiting. You know, the good thing is I've been so busy with you know college baseball and college softball and the basketball Sunbelt Conference tournament and leading you know the the Wednesday Friday games last year leading up into that I haven't had a whole lot of time to think about as much just totally obsess on the um and, and then as soon as this you know the whether the Saints get Derek Carr or don't get him as soon as that then it's going to be time to move the obsession to the draft and I, I, I just, I, I keep seeing people talk about Bashawn Robinson, and I would love to have. I just, I just, I know running backs drop, but I, I think this guy is a cut above most running backs that come out and are discussed in the first round. And I, I, I don't think there's any way he's going to fall to the Saints. But he is a running back, and running backs are devalued, and they do fall, just like safeties tend to fall. So I think it's possible, but I really don't. I really don't think he's going to drop to the Saints. I'd, I'd still struggle with the idea of taking a running back in the first round, even though I would be okay with it at 29 as opposed to like 10. But just with the 
you know, the idea that, you know, ideally you're going to get maybe five years out of the guy, whereas if you pick a cornerstone position otherwise you can maybe get a decade out of him. I don't I know I know you can't make decisions based on what you think's going to happen in 10 years, but it would be tough. I would I, he he better be a generational talent, which maybe he is, but you can't, you know, it's it's like the Giants did with Saquon, and then it took them five years after drafting Saquon to fix all their other problems because they took their top five. Man, they claim, and look, I, the Cajuns played against them a couple years ago, and I saw him play. I mean, he was okay in that game. He wasn't great in that game, and I've seen him on TV a few times. But they claim that, like, he picks up blitzes, he catches, like, he's the complete back. And and the Saints haven't had a real. I mean, it would be hard if 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 he's there and they don't pick him. It's it, it, there's just there's just certain sides within you. I think certain organs are going to shut down momentarily on me, you know, because I've been wanting a running back for so long. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us UL Women's Basketball Coach Gary Broadhead. How are you, sir? Good. Good morning. Very good. How about you, Kev? Pretty good. All right. We got some things to get to. Cajuns are playing App State tonight, scheduled for 730. Uh, what's your best guess? How close to 730 do you think y'all going to start that game? Man, I don't know, man. All those other games before, I know they kind of give a split between the first two games and the last two games, so that might work out, but yeah, I mean, you always kind of worry about uh, those overtimes and, man, those extra timeouts at the end of the game to advance the ball. And Yeah, so it may not be. It might be 8 o'clock. <laughs> it might be 8 o'clock. Absolutely. All right, so App State has made more three-pointers this season than any team in the Sunbelt Conference. So you're known and, you t- you know, you like defense, and we talk about we just most people describe y'all as a defense-first team. But as a defensive-minded coach, is it easier to shut down a three-point shoot shooting team or easier to defend a team that's more of a in in the paint kind of an offensive team. I think the in the paint is a little bit easier. That those three pointers, especially the way they move the ball, and they got different people. I mean, they got different kind of players. They got penetrators and they got those shooters. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. And you know, your natural instinct is to help. You know, that's what we teach all the time. Is like I'm guarding somebody, then I'll help off or jab at. And you can't do that against them. You know. You know, the Carver kid, we did, she started off with two threes before the game even started, I mean, right away. And that was because we had a tendency to kind of to kind of jab at her, jab at the, the penetrator Sanders and, man, wide open shots. And But we kind of corrected it after the first quarter. You know, we were able to kind of correct it. And, you know, we talked, we just actually had our shoot around and we came uh, back to the hotel and we did some walkthroughs and all that to know how to make sure that we're doing it the right way. But I think, I think we have understanding now being that we just played them not long ago that we can, 
you know, slow them down. And, but it's a tough thing to do, especially in transition. They love to run the ball, and they're going to shoot it in transition. That's the hard thing because you run back to the paint, and now you got to cover back out. So they made double-digit three-pointers against y'all. Their leading scorer, who's averaging about 13, 14 points a game, y'all held to, I think it was four or five or something. Now the other two girls made multiple three-pointers and, um, you know, scored like 17, 16 points. So is it is it is it still a big – is it important to, to keep Sanders down as their leading scorer or is it more important to, to, to kind of maybe keep him to single-digit three-pointers? Yeah, you know, I think it's all important, man. I mean, you know, we did a great job on Sanders kind of getting in the way. She's more of a penetrator, jump shooter, likes to get to the rim. She doesn't really like to shoot the three. And so I think that's going to be something. And she kind of gets them going by penetrate. What they want you to do is they want to penetrate and you to help over so they can pitch it. So that's going to be a tough thing. Can we shut her down one-on-one? Can we win our one-on-one battles? We talked about it all week is, Hey, we need to win the one-on-one battles because I think we can. You know, I think we. I mean, we did it before, and then when we win our one-on-ones, we don't have to help as much, and we won't be helping off those shooters. Well, the big, the other big advantage y'all had is on the boards and rebounding, and I'm sure that's going to be something that needs to happen again tonight if y'all are going to advance. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, you know, you read articles all right now uh, throughout the country, and the rebound is going to rebounding is going to win championships. And man, if you're not rebounding. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be tough to even try to, to compete uh, in a conference uh, tournament. So, yeah, I think all those things, turnovers, you got to keep your turnovers down. you got to give yourself an opportunity, you know, shoot the ball, free throws is going to be big. There's a lot of things that come into it, you know, and it's going to be the flow of the game. Can we get – can we can control the tempo of the game? That's going to be important too. All right, so, again, also getting back to the defensive mentality as a coach, I, I've noticed a trend, and we mentioned this yesterday, and I don't like the trend, that – it seems like, especially on the men's side, but even on the women's side, the defensive player of the year is the center who, who blocks the most <laughs> shots. And to me, that's not that's rarely the best defensive player on a team. Can be. I mean, they might be. But don't you think, as someone who preaches defense and lives and dies with that mentality, it, 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 it's almost demeaning to me. It's like I, it turns me off somehow. Me too. I won't vote for a uh, person that's blocking shots because, I mean, all they do is stand in there. They don't have to get out there and pressure the ball. And I mean, to me, the hardest thing in the best defensive players is somebody like Kia Willridge years ago that could push the ball wherever she wanted it, control it where it went, all that. that now, that's defense, you know. That's to me and my – and, you know, take charges, force them into that block, you know, and all, you know, all that. So – I don't know, you know, just standing there and blocking shots. I guess it's a it's a plus, you know. But uh, we uh, actually, for the last probably ten years, we've been well. I mean, since Ty was the last two years, we we did a little bit more blocking, but we were worse than first blocking team in the country. But you know, we'll take charges and we'll do all kind of other things to try to make up for those things. But yeah, I mean, that's who they vote for. They they, they but love these block. are coaches the that are stats. voting. We need to keep start. We need to keep stats for for charges because that's better than a block because a block you're not guaranteed the ball back on a charge you're guaranteed a foul and the ball back so that's one of the stats that need to be taken i think you can maybe put it on a box score especially in the yeah. women's game yeah. like to me no there are way more charges taken in the women's game than the men's game yeah they don't want to call it in the men's game the guys don't want to take it man you know and, and i think the other thing too is the guys can jump from further like they 
they, you know, they, they're above their shoulders sometimes, so it's a little bit more difficult. And I think just in general, uh, the game of basketball doesn't want it to be called. I guess it's a game, or the, I don't know who's controlling that, but they, they, they put the arc. Now they extended the arc for us, and they keep on finding ways not to take charges. I saw something last week that we got sent from the from officials that uh, watch out for charges away from the ball. Don't don't you know that people are getting hurt? Blah blah blah. We don't want you know they don't want that to happen. You know, and that's kind of something we do. You know, we got somebody bigger on the opposite side lane line. We may go ahead and step over and put ourselves in position to get you know to take a charge. So. It, it, they're trying to get away with it, and I think it starts with the men, and then we here we go. We fo- you know we follow up on the women's side. There was a scene in the last game, and uh, you know it's not funny because it, the call didn't go your way, and it was a close game. And who knows if they make the call, you may win the game. Who knows? But there was a play where they're running down the court, and two of your girls got run over away from the ball on the same play within about ten feet of each other, and you went zero for two. Yeah, and then the guy said, you know, and I'm. It's just like referees don't help each other because they don't want to call out the area, and I guess maybe it's an individual thing for them. But the referee underneath on the baseline saw it, and the guy that was running down missed it. He said that I missed it, you know. But man, that's a big miss because they came right back down and scored, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they end up scoring a, a jump shot on it on on the play, you know. So, you know, that's just kind of tough, you know. But you know, it's just part of it. And if you ever notice, if we have an SEC official and we start the game, they're not calling that first call. They're going to be like, let it happen. Oh, okay, well, I missed it. And then maybe the second or third call they'll call. It's funny how you watch the SEC games. They're not, even on the women's side, they're not calling many charges. They just don't want, especially if it's a, uh, a non-Power uh, 5 team playing an SEC team. They, they just don't, I don't know why. They, just, they say you got to run through them, which I've never seen anybody run through somebody. All righty, sir. Well, we appreciate it. We look forward to seeing what happens tonight. Good luck to you. All right. Occasions. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk Sunbelt Conference basketball tournament, which has began last night with two uh, first-round matchups on the men and two first-round matchup on the women's side. Today is all second-round games for the women, Tomorrow will be all second-round games for the men. Friday will be quarterfinal action for the women. And if the Cajuns beat App State, they will be playing Texas State at about 7.30 or scheduled to start at 7.30 uh, in their quarterfinal matchup late Friday night. The Cajun men obviously will be playing the late game on the men's quarterfinal day, which will be Saturday against the winner of the Thursday night game between Georgia Southern and ULM. So if you'd like to discuss that, certainly still time to do that, as well as 
You know, we talked quite a bit again today about the whole quarterback scenario and Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr and the, and the Saints, and, uh, you know, we just continue to wait. They keep telling us that any day it could happen. Uh, Andrew Juice was on Raymond's show a couple hours ago, and he thinks it's going to happen sometimes before. Look, we're two weeks from today. Is that March the 15th NFL free agency date? So two weeks from today. So if it happens 10 days from now, to me, that's not a long time from now, although for people like me, it kind of is the waiting. Yeah. I was going to switch things up. Did you see uh, Astros spring training yesterday? I saw, I don't know, a couple pitches here and there against the Mets. Yeah, but so, I mean, the only thing I took from it, though, is Luis Garcia, all that talk about, you know, the rock the baby he can't do anymore. And he pitched two innings, struck out four batters, didn't give up anything. So, and one what, hit allowed. And so. he he pitched like he normally does out of the stretch, or what did he do? So, I, I couldn't find the full clip. The All these highlights just have him throwing the ball. So, I couldn't find the whole clip of what he did in the windup. But I think he just did a regular windup that doesn't have his whole motion. So, I don't know. I wonder why he did that. I mean, pitchers are weird. Look, I mean, they're weird. I was a two-way player. I, could, I, didn't, I, I didn't want to be grouped with the POs, the pitcher only. <laughs> That's a negative connotation with those. So I don't know. Like, I hate – every time I see K- Craig Kimbrell prepare to make a pitch, I, I just want to throw something at him. Like, that guy just really has always gotten on my nerves, Craig Kimbrell. But – um. So, yeah, I don't, you know, again, look, they all say Garcia's just like the funniest, great guy. Just, they just love him in the clubhouse. Uh, but I, I would, but, but his, you know, his motion is, I always thought was kind of, you know, weird. And I remember the first time I saw him, I'm like, what is this guy doing? First time I ever saw it. And, you know, it is what it is. But no, he, um, who knows? It might, at times, he's had trouble with getting left handed hitters out. He's normally really good against right-handed hitters. He, he's had some issues against left-handed hitters, so maybe this will improve him that way, you know, the adjustment he has to make to follow the new rules. Look, for years and years and years, I criticize the NFL and still do for changing the rules too much. Like, And so I, I'm not um, – I'm more old school than I'm not old school, in, in especially when it comes to baseball probably. But I also, you know, try to understand the trends of the game. And I think they're trying to make the game not different. They're tr- I think the ultimate goal of all of this is to try to make the game what it was years ago. So, like, if you have guys that are even older than me who are just going crazy right now, I think the irony of that is they real look, folks. Back in the fifties and sixties, games didn't last three and three and a half hours like they do now. That that whole trend started about twenty years ago, where people started saying it's stupid to not take pitches. And I'm a guy that loves the base on balls. Now I'd rather hit a double, drive in a run, or a homer and drive in a run. But unless I'm getting an extra base on a single, I'd rather walk than get a single. Yeah, I know I'm going to be in the minority on this, and and I know I don't have time to fully flesh out the thought here, but I'm sure we'll talk about it over time. I love college sports. If I had to pick pro or college, I would take college, and I enjoy college football more than the NFL. I enjoy college baseball more than the MLB, and I enjoy college basketball a lot more than the NBA. 
And I think a lot of it, for me, I've kind of come up with this thought that I think at times the game gets to a point where it gets played too well by professional athletes. And, like, that's the point, and that's why they're so great at what they do. But I think baseball is a part of that. I love that UL can hit and run and steal bases, and they and they create havoc, and they create offense. But obviously, if UL if it was a major league, you know, if, if you tried to do that in the major leagues, you'd get thrown out every time, and then you wouldn't do it anymore. And that's why guys don't bunt anymore. And in basketball, you know, they don't play zone defense because the NBA shooters are too good, and you just shoot them out of the zone. And so, like, that, for me, I enjoy watching the games that have more havoc and more mistakes because I think mistakes add intrigue. And I think that takes a little bit away from professional sports to me, and I think the MLB is kind of trying to create that. Like, when we didn't have data that told us every single, you know, point of, and again, with the stolen bases, like, yeah, this guy has no business trying to steal bases because he's only got a 17% chance to steal it. I like the game that has more havoc and more mistakes, and maybe they'll get back to that with these rule changes. But at the end of the day, I think sometimes major leaguers are just a little bit too good, and that's like, like I think errors are fun. Like I don't want my team to make errors, but I enjoy that the college game, you have a few more mistakes here and there, whereas pro guys, they catch the ball, as you would like them to do. They catch the ball because they're just that good. So that's- Well, I, don't, I, I agree with that so- somewhat. I do think that a lot of pitchers, even at the major league level, they are not good at throwing the bases. They, even at the major league level, they're not. You you see misthrows to second base constantly, misthrows to first constantly. So I still think if you bunt and play the short game and you make a pitcher throw to a base, now some of them just feel their position. They're just really good, but there are plenty of pitchers that are terrible at fielding their position and terrible at throwing the bases. So other than that, I agree with you. But, yeah, I still think you can take advantage of pitchers throwing it. But, again, the point that I'm I just trying to remind people is what baseball is trying to do is not come up with this newfangled way. I'm not saying what they're doing is all going to work, and I'm not saying I even support all the things they do because I'm with you. I think making people not be able to stand where they want to stand as long as they is just stupid. Uh, you know, trying to get rid of the shift, I think, is stupid. But um, or Koki, I think that that was that said that. But they're trying to get the game back to closer to where it was forty and fifty years ago, not where they want it to be in twenty twenty three or twenty thirty three that we've never seen before. They're not trying to change the game; they're trying to get it back to where it was. I don't know if they're going to succeed. We we will see. Y'all have a nice day.